welcome to Las Doctoras podcast. Led by our intuition, we are creating space for conversations, asking critical questions, and interrogating the oppressive systems of power we live in. We are your hosts. I am Dr. Renee Limas, pronouns she, her, hers. I'm a Cancer sun and moon with Pisces rising, mother of water. I am Dr. Christina Rose, pronouns she, they, Virgo sun, Aquarius moon, Gemini rising, mother of earth. We are grounded in a connection to ancestral wisdom. Our work is to heal the wounds of generational trauma that is of white male and cis hetero supremacy, all while we create a way of being that celebrates, truly revels in the joy of our families and our community. Join us on our journey, not toward perfection, but into reflection, immersed in compassionate self-awareness and courageous action. Come, sit at our kitchen table, sip on some tequila with us, and let's change our world. Salud! Hello! Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Las Doctoras Podcast. We are in episode 43. It's very exciting. And we've been also just getting some lovely feedback um, on Instagram and personal DMs just around the resonance. And gosh, it, it feels so good. It feels good to be here again, actually, recording with our headphones and our Yeti mics and etc. Yeah, I when we, like you said, been getting this really amazing feedback um, on the podcast, I just kept thinking, wow, I just keep thinking um, wow. Like, I don't know if we ever would have thought that this is the, uh, the reach that we would have had with the podcast. It's Agreed. always so, yeah. um, I, I say it's always so humbling to see how far we reach and, um, reminds mm-hmm. us why we're here. And yeah. So, and I think just- it also just kind of makes, I don't know. I feel like sometimes when we talk, we're like, is this gonna, you know, is this just us? Are we really, are we just like, you know, high maintenance, you know, type A, are we just like, what's, you know, all of that, you know, self-talk that kind of doubts, you know, so doubtful about, you know, where we come from and, and believing of course in the magic and that we found each other as two, you know, people like that. But, um, it just makes me feel, I feel seen, you know, as people feel seen and they say that it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. I do. Thank you. Thank you. A hundred percent. I think I was just saying this to my mom the other day when I was explaining, you know, all these, all this feedback that we've been getting and saying like, Christine and I just talk to each other. We're just, we're just talking to each other <laughs> and we never know how far and wide, you know, these conversations are going to go. So it is nice when we get feedback. So it kind of feels like um, there is more than just us in this room, but at the same time, like yeah. we get to hold on to that a little bit of the intimacy of just talking to each other and then the conversation yeah. goes, you know, far and wide. So that feels really good. I'm loving that. I want to say, yes, there's more than us here. Right. I love saying this. <laughs> I love saying that our ancestors are here. Like, you know, our spirit guides and, and, you know, our people, our community are here too, mm-hmm. you know? So, mm-hmm. but yeah, but we're just, you know, <laughs> we're just talking. We're just talking. Um, so that updates? means it just maybe some quick updates. Yeah. Um, gosh, we, gosh, where are we? 
<laughs> I think probably the last episode we were right at the beginning or still kind of launching our um, writing course. And now we're at the end. We're about to go into our last session today in like 40 minutes. <laughs> we're launching our, our spring, you know, writing course. Um, at the same time and really coming into a flow with that, that feels really just mm -hmm. a good rhythm for us. Um, we've also been, well, St. Lunita magazine is in the middle of, of coming out for the spring edition. We've got that mm -hmm. in the works. We're we've like been... legit like magazine publishers these days. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, my dream. It's my dream. It's beautiful. I love it. I feel like I, I, you know, I don't, I don't say this, but I think it was a dream of mine always. And, but there's something like I haven't been able to speak to around that. So I, so I love, yes, it feels so wonderful to be able to share and put out into the world on our platform and our spaces, the writing of um, the writing, the artwork, the creative um, effort of our community. Mm -hmm. I just love it. It feels mm -hmm. great. I want to do you know, that. Like what else? Oh, our book club. So our book club is thriving because our next book club selection is Reina Grande's A Ballad of Love and Glory. We've got a bitchin', you know, St. Lunita book club team, you know, St. Lunita and book club team. You know, we've got like yeah. this, this, yeah, our Las Tactores team is alive and real. They've been yes. really helping us. And so that's part of our, you know, I think a part of our updates too is that mm -hmm. we, we're going to be sharing, you know, more and more of um, who's with us, you know, and who, yeah. you know, because obviously, not obviously, I mean, well, I don't know. Renee and I don't want to do it all. <laughs> we want, <laughs> we want, we want to share. And so there's, yeah, keep a yeah. lookout. We'll be, we'll be sharing who's with us it's, and who's. It's really important. I've been realizing that, especially when we start to get feedback and say, oh, thank you for everything that you do. And I'm like, oh, we really need to be shouting at our team because the only yeah. reason we're able to do what we do is because there, we have so much support in all the other logistics mm -hmm. that it requires mm -hmm. to do all the things that we do, have a podcast, have a magazine, have a book club, you know, um, on top of our day job, on top of parenting, on top of everything yeah, else. Yeah. So, um, and, and that we've been so blessed that the people who come in and want to want to be on our team and um, are invested in, in the work that we do and, and really come to it. Um, um, I don't know. I think with the same kind of uh, love that we do, you know, and, I just it's not like we put bad. a it's not like we put a call out publicly. We just put a call out like in our hearts. And you know, some of those people who have been a part of our our book club, a part of you know the writing courses, um, they they come to us and they're and we're like, we've been wanting you. Thank I feel you like it's, it's so like organic. Like, oh, if you want if you want, I, I have this skill and we're like, oh my God, yes, <laughs> we, need that, <laughs> we need that help, you know? So it's, yeah. yeah, it's just been this kind of organic, uh, I don't know, growth of our team. And so, yeah, we're definitely going to be shutting them out. Publicly and I want to say soon. it feels quite organic that, you know, our team reached out and, um, Reina Grande will be coming to share with our book club, right. That felt mm -hmm. also just with ease that that happened, you know? So, um, I just have to exciting. say April 20th, you know, April 20th, you know, there's still time. Us. 
to join our book mm-hmm. club, to come and read the new, I mean, it's like fresh off the presses, right? Her book. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she's going to come talk to us. I'm, I mean, I'm definitely a Sandra Cisneros fan, but Reina Grande too. Like, I feel like, I, yeah, I'm definitely, if there was ever an author I wanted to talk to, it would definitely be her. I love it. So we're really excited. Let's see what else. I think other than all our other guest stuff, speaking. we've been doing some guest speaking for our union. It's, it, yeah. That's a new and interesting experience. I know it feels like full some, you know, we always talk about full circles. It's so nice, mm-hmm. actually. But it feels like speaking for the faculty union, you know, for the uh, the Cal State system, coming back to share the the gifts that we share in Las Tatoras and the writing classes mm-hmm. around healing through our stories and um, is, is what we've been doing with them. And it just, yeah, how great does it feel? Just like when we can put on our, our CV or on our mm-hmm. three-year contract, you know, our different applications, this work, it feels like they, they're, yeah, that power, whatever that yeah. you know, the university system is seeing us. Yeah, it's very validating, I think. And um, that being said, if you are interested in us guest speaking <laughs> in whatever space or organization you are in, we are definitely open for those opportunities. Um, yeah, I mean, and of course, we're also still on our on our regular day job grind of teaching, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, has its own ups and downs and roller coasters and all those things. And um, so there's, there's still that. And I think of course, you know, before we, I, you know, we want to kind of make this a quick thing so we can get into uh, the crux of the episode. But um, I think the last thing is just some personal updates. <sighs> I'm like, I think we could probably do a whole episode on my personal updates. Which maybe we should. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think too. just to Go name, away. you know, just to name that, you know, there's so much joy and so much celebration in in all the things that we've been doing. But the truth mm-hmm. is, like, it, you know, life is life, and life is gonna throw all kinds of curveballs curve at us, and you know, yeah, that nobody's perfect. So I've been there's been a lot of parenting challenges in my life, a lot of very, very, very difficult downtime you know challenges Mm -hmm. just times where I'm you know hiding in a blanket (laughs) Mm -hmm. calling 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 you (laughs) calling you crying like there's just a lot of that and it's been a lot of that lately and and I it's hard for me to admit that publicly but I think it's important too so that people get a whole picture of you know who I am and who we are you know that life isn't just as much as we love to lean into our celebrations and lean into our joy we can't do that mm-hmm. if we don't also acknowledge the challenges that we're facing. So, you know, without getting into too much detail, just, yeah, parenting challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, my youngest is having some struggles at school. So it's it's really hard and it's putting a lot of stress on us as a family. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to navigate that and deal with that on top of all the other things. And also like trying my desperate mm-hmm. hardest to allow myself to enjoy my successes knowing that I still have mm-hmm. big 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 challenges that I'm facing I mean we're gonna come back to this but you know um two years COVID today mm. or yesterday mm. or something mm. like that you know mm. I just yeah. think we can oh recognize God, that 
you know, for me, um, I think also a part of that too is really, I was up in the Pacific Northwest up there and it was paradise and it is, and I just needed more sun and I needed more family. I really, well, you know, it was, it had its hard hardships and I just in January, I was like, I gotta go, I gotta go to like my motherland. And so I'm actually now in New Mexico, um, connecting with my family and it feels good. I feel my heart actually like opening around some of those things and, and just even being on the land and in the hot springs here, um, they are, I think they have like natural lithium in them. So maybe I just got out of them. So maybe I'm really calm right now, but (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, uh, more present in my body and stuff like that. So that feels really good to me too. So, um, I, yeah, no, 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 you go. And then I'm going to say, we need some upcoming episodes on, on all our stuff, but go. <laughs> I think so. I just, I want to recognize the ways in which the healthier, maybe healthy, maybe healthier, not sure mm-hmm. ways in which we are finding, um, healing, you know, coming from places of trauma, you know, in COVID times, you know, being, parents you know I always just say like motherhood's so hard but no motherhood is hard in a world you know that's like cis heteropatriarchal mm-hmm. like doesn't want mm-hmm. people to feel their feelings mm-hmm. and doesn't take care of mothers you know anyways all of that blah 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 we are really stepping into some healthier ways of navigating those spaces mm-hmm. I would I want to say but also they feel different you know and I and that is also also a really beautiful awkward thing and but awkward you know yeah and beautiful yeah. at the same time just yeah that's all I want to say like you write your horoscope the other day was like your gift is being able to in the middle of vulnerability reach out you know that's it yeah. and that's a beauty yes yeah. and I think that's been the the blessing and the curse of of this pandemic right we all know the amount of stress that it's brought on us as Mm-hmm. people as parents, as mothers, you know, as gendered parents, right? Like we get that. And um, I think the gift of it has been, you know, really us really having to create strategies. You know, I've been, I've been knee deep in parenting books and <laughs> yeah, our, our, um, our, oh my God, why can't I, literature. <laughs> I've been <laughs> deep in like parenting literature and a lot of like the difference between coping mechanisms and coping strategies. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> okay. So I think it's, it's as like really, you know, not just talking the talk about what it means to, to live into liberation and live in this decolonial way. And then to really say like, what does that actually mean? And how do we actually do that? And part of that is to, you know, reach out to the resources that we have at hand and not be afraid to ask for help, you know, in all the ways that we need it. And, um, and, and yeah, I think that that's, this pandemic has kind of forced us to really, really do that, mm-hmm. really say, okay, we need mm-hmm. to, we mm-hmm. need to just, we need to be there for each other. We need to create, mm-hmm. you know, um, networking is always such a weird word, but like networks or communities or villages mm-hmm. or, you know, support systems, right? We need to create webs mm-hmm. of support for each other, you know, within our capacities, but ultimately ways that we can, um, you know, be there for each other. So for me, again, as, as hard as the challenges have been, it has felt so good to be able to call people or text people. And I can just like, 
like you know I feel very like physically supported you know in some ways it might be hard to believe maybe because we're we're podcasters (laughs) but (laughs) I think we both have a part of our personalities that just like digs in like bites the bullet or all these different Mm -hmm. phrases for just like you know takes just like takes that burden take one for the team yeah yeah Yeah. take one for the team yeah Yeah. a lot 100 percent right with the Louisa that let's yeah, we're just, yeah sisters, we got it like stronger I mean that's where I know you I know you're Isabella I love that you love that but I think but we I, all have and we all have all those different kinds of pieces I mean that's that's yeah. really the, the what the yeah. movie's about we're talking about Encanto <laughs> <laughs> and we can't but we're just not doing that no more you know we just yeah we just know better now. We just, or we, we have tasted yeah. better, you know, and, yeah. and actually, you know, just saying, I think I've said this a couple of times recently, but Renee, your relationship has just let me think, realize, you know, um, just so many more possibilities, you know, so yeah. much like what love can look like, you know, what, you know, it's, yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. I'm like, Ooh, there's some other, a lot of things I want to say though, for you too, is, you know, I, I really, again, living into into liberation thinking about how you've um been on this like exploratory journey of like what feels Mm -hmm. good and what home means and Mm -hmm. and 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 all of that and I think like that's so powerful to to feel like and and maybe you wouldn't have been able to do that had had we not been in the middle of the pandemic and that we've been virtual Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. it kind of gave you this freedom to say I'm gonna move to the northwest and oh that you know it felt good but I'm ready for something else and now I'm gonna go Mm -hmm the Southwest, you know, to, to, know. to New Mexico. Yeah. So I think, I think like, you know, again, it's like, it's like, um, it, it has its own challenges, but it's also been a gift in, in so many other ways. And, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, I, your life part me, like it scares me partly, but it's also <laughs> like, damn, like she's just doing it right. She's just living her life. And that, that, that is, liberatory in so many ways yeah. like you know there there's freedom there and so I I, I just want to I want to name that too for you that um mm, things there's been just yeah there's there's liberation in that and yeah and community and even what community looks like I think and um yeah lots of lots of so lots of good things lots of good things lots of challenges yes I think our last update, which I think will segue us into this, is that it's tax season. <laughs> and it's we've been doing we've been doing like the bookkeeping stuff, the tax keeping stuff, like the business. You know what? Like- In the spirit of transparency, yeah. I feel like, you know, it's important for us to name that over the pandemic, we have had such enormous growth. Um, mm-hmm. I think since the beginning of since the creation of this podcast, there's been a certain type of growth because so many people are listening to us and and, and that has grown organically. But then the um, pandemic gave us this really interesting opportunity to grow as a business mm-hmm. um, and to really start to uh, create some abundance, um, you know, as Las Doctoras. And with that comes responsibility. <laughs> that we are like "Hmm, what 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 do we do we're a business how do we run a business um we're not business majors uh I don't know Renee has some savvy in that and I I want to just like touch like six foot pole like kind of stuff I'm just like (laughs) um 
so we've, we've had help. And so one of the people that um, has been a part of our money journey. education, you know, journey um, is um, who will be, we'll be sharing today for the podcast episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. this next, um, basically these last four episodes or what we imagine will be the last four episodes of our podcast or of the season, season four, um, are going to be some um, conversations that we did via YouTube um, or other sort of video formats. I think I want to say towards the end of 2020 and definitely all into all of 2021. So they have mm-hmm. some of these conversations have taken place a while ago and they're on YouTube, but we really were like, oh, we, we need to repurpose them and put them onto the podcast, especially because that's where people are hearing us and listening to us. And these are such important conversations that we want to make sure they're getting out to people um, and to our listeners. So yeah, so there'll be ne- the next four episodes will be again YouTube conversations or um, that we've had and and we're repurposing them as um, and so some of the stuff references might be a little dated, but I think in one of them we talk about the election, but it's still you know pertinent information. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and this one definitely working through our money, money stories, money wounds, which is really only the tip of the iceberg. I you know I just I have to say that again we've we've kind of been given this gift of this business um, through the podcast and the book club and the writing course and all the things that we do. And it's been great, um, but it's been a, a big learning curve because we're not mm, educated. We've got all these degrees, <laughs> none of which are in business. And so it's been really a big, huge learning curve to figure out how we navigate money, how we navigate a business in a smart way, in a way that's going to continue to bring an abundance, but also in a way that we're leaning into decolonial ways of thinking and, mm-hmm. um, you know, divesting from capitalism and creating more reciprocity within mm-hmm. our community. Like, how do we do all that? How do we navigate all that while also trying to support our families? Right. Mm-hmm. And so all of that. And so it's been a lot of, a lot of moving parts when it comes to that. And this definitely being one of those is our conversation with, um, with Natalia, who, by the way, well, she is she's a columnist in our magazine. So she writes a financial column. And mm-hmm. we met her, I think, before we were Las Doctoras, before we were, yeah, before. I met Natalia through the uh, Leche League of Whittier and Downey and everything, Long Beach, um, going like when the kids are so young. Yeah. And you met her at some other point too, right? And I met, met her, her when we were with um, Latina Mothers Collaborative and we had, that's, it's funny at that event, we had it like a, an event at the park, remember? And you were playing music and I, I think I did a little bit of yoga and that's where I met Leslie. That's where I met Natalia. I'm like, I think there's a few other people. Well, just take us back like four years, something like that. Man. I think it's longer. I want to say it was like 2017, maybe. Maybe it was 2018. Wow. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a while. And um, so and she's so, yeah, one of our old homegirls. So yeah, and we're gonna be with her again, actually, recently. Yeah, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, we've got some work that we're doing with her, but um, but yeah. So I think in this conversation, we just kind of dig into some of her wisdom, some of her wisdom around money and yeah. how she came to that wisdom. I think she talks a little bit about her own journey. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's just, again, you know, to deal with money and abundance and 
what does that mean in a, what do they call it? In a post-capitalist world, (laughs) you know, entrenched in white supremacy, like all of that, right? Like, how do you navigate money? And so um, I think this conversation is, again, just the tip of the iceberg, but a com- an important conversation that I think there was a lot of moments where we're like, what, what we can yeah. do that or like, yeah. what? <laughs> so let yeah. this liberate you, you know, in the ways that it liberated us. And, um, and thanks. Yeah. Thank you for being yeah. here. And, and with that, we'll let you into the episode and uh, look forward for our last few episodes of the season. Oh, welcome everyone. Hello. Welcome. I was going to tell you, I'm like, are you, you're not on the boat. Where are you? <laughs> um, I'm at a friend's house. Oh, okay. And it's being worked on by that, you know, by my partner right now. Um, but it's uh, an hour away from Jaguar school. So we're spending the night. We're having a slumber party. And I'm nice. here in this beautiful spot. It's very nice. Cause I know you said and, you were looking for a house. So I was like, Oh, <laughs> uh, Oh, that's, so we can get into that later. We can get into that. <laughs> we'll get into secrecy later too, which is okay. interesting. I haven't told my parents. So I was like, do I want to hear? Are they listening? Are they, does it matter? <laughs> You're like, can um, you hear me? Actually, really- it's, like, it's it's really a thing. My friend actually, I just went to lunch with her and she just bought a house. And I'm the, I'm one of the only people, like two or three people that know. Like she hasn't told her family nothing. And I'm like, why? But okay. <laughs> so. You can talk about that. Yeah. So, and that's a really good intro into the conversation today. I really think so. We are talking about with Natalia. And um, tell me, because you go by, I always forget, is it Mom Money Boss? Yes. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yes. On Instagram. Yeah. Um, and a contributor to St. Lunita. And also a good friend, and it's so exciting to have you on here to be able to process some of this. I don't know. I'm gonna say wounds, healing, growth, um, family trauma, all these things when it comes to the topic of money. Money, honey. That simple, and it brings up. There's. We're gonna talk about needs. We're gonna talk about wants. We're gonna talk about buying from you know, um, other mujeres, other, other women of color. We're going to talk about secrecy and spaces, um, all that, all that we go into in the, the taboo topic of money. It's like we could talk about money and menstruation and <laughs> equal like uncomfortability in most people's books, you know? Um, so we are so excited to have you here with us. And I was hoping to do an intro for our yeah. listeners now and in the future, you know? Well, hi, thank you for having me. I really appreciate you inviting me on here to talk about all these things. Uh, my name is Natalia. I am a money coach and I'm also a mom. I'm also a wife. <laughs> um, I do have a full-time job. I actually work in criminal defense and I work with indigent clients. That's my day job, you know, fighting the criminal system during the day and then fighting the financial injustice at night, you know, <laughs> kind of a little bit of everything. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you know, on my weekends and my free time, that's what I do. I help people build budgets. I help people create debt payoff plans, um, create savings plans, learn about investing, learn about creating generational wealth. And really why um, I got into this is just because I want to get all this information out to as many people as possible and bring up 
my community, right? Bring up everybody who had no idea what a budget was or how to do that. Um, I was actually really surprised at how many people I knew did not have budgets. Um, and that was really shocking to me. So I just started teaching them how to do it because I did it in my personal life. I got my own things together. I was eight, over $18,000 in credit card debt. Uh, and now I'm only $4,000 away from paying that off. And also I've been providing for my family of three uh, completely on my own since 2017. So on one income, less than $100,000 a year. And the only reason I've been able to do that is because of my budget, right? I've been able to invest. I've been able to uh, pay off debt. I've been, I paid off my car, my student loan last year. Um, I've been able to save money, you know? So all these things I've been able to do while still, you know, living my life and providing for my family and, you know, kind of trying to juggle it all. And it's possible. It's possible. Like you don't have to have tunnel vision on only doing one thing, right? I don't only need to get out of debt. I don't only need to save, but you can do all of the things when you have a budget. <laughs> yeah. I am kind of like draw, dropping just an awe. I want to say when you first said about like your day and nighttime thing, I was like, you're like Batman, but you're the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> actually his helping people you know not creating like white savior complex and then like you know and exploiting people at the same time like you're not you're like the opposite of that and it's so beautiful it's so exciting and i love how i love your transparency because renee and i have thrown out there how much debt we have and knowing that we're in the we're you know yeah we're together yeah i I want to say too, when you were saying all that, I was like, oh my God, that's like a superhero, right? Like need a cape. Um, and I love, I love me a budget. I'm gotta, I gotta say, not that, I'm like, not that I'm good at sticking to the budget, but I love me a budget. I, I don't like, I, I think for me when I was, I remember in college when I first started making my own money and um, because my, I think my motivation to budget was to see how much money I had to go out on the weekend. <laughs> and so I had like a notebook, like a little tiny notebook and every paycheck, I think I got paid like either once a week or every two weeks. And I would like write how much I got and like all the bills I had to pay. And then like, okay, I have this much left over to, you know, got with, obviously it's evolved since then. Um, not so much going out money is the motivation but when we do get into talking about that i and i know because i've seen you post on instagram and talking about how like you said you know you've been able to save you've been able to pay off debt but you've also said i think you can do things that you love to do right like you can take a vacation or you can you know and so like how you know how we can kind of be more expansive when we talk about budget it's not just about like being so, um, yeah, yeah, like, oh, we got to do all these things, but you can like budget in luxuries, <laughs> right? My big thing is a budget doesn't mean deprivation. Like a budget doesn't mean you can't do the things that you want because people hear budget and they think, oh, I can't do something or I can't spend money. And it's actually the opposite, right? Like it's, I'm still spending money. I'm still doing things, but the difference is I plan for it and I save for it and I budget for it. Right. So I do things within my means. And if I really want something, then I save up and I give myself time to do it. Right. And that's what I always tell my clients. Like, 
I'm not here to judge you. I don't care what you spend your money on. That's not my priority, right? My priority is that you get your goals met first, then do what you want with your money, right? As long as you're meeting your goals and you're doing what you need to do, then I honestly, if you want to blow it at Starbucks, you want to buy a purse, I could care less. <laughs> and and I think that's the big difference. And that's the big movement now in more money coaches that are coming up from different backgrounds, right? You, you know, we've all heard of Mr. Ramsey and his, uh, <laughs> and like, you know, all this stuff of like, don't step foot in a restaurant if you have debt. Like, I'm sorry, but no, like, we're not gonna like. Is I feel like I'm not in the know. Who is this oh. person? That he's a, he's a big, like a big to do in the financial. Yeah. He's like, what's the other one? Susie Orman. You know who Susie mm. Orman is? She always, she always gets on my last nerve because she's the same thing where she's like, People spend beyond their means, and if you can't afford it, you shouldn't do it. To me, that's actually, I've always said she's, like, poor shaming, right? Like, she's basically saying if you're too poor to afford something, you shouldn't do it. And so it's, like, so poor people shouldn't be able to have fucking luxuries or, and again, I don't even think those things are luxuries. I think they're, you know, like, going out to eat at a restaurant is not a luxury. That's, everybody should, I mean, should not have to cook for themselves every all the time. And um, so, yeah, I, I appreciate that, like calling out because I think, you know, definitely we have to say like white people have been they came up with all the rules for money. You know, they created all the rules for money. And I remember my mom would tell me something like rich people, they just owe more. That's what she would say. She goes, it's not that they necessarily have more money. She goes, they just, they have more debt. And I was like, mm-hmm. but how does that work? <laughs> um, but yeah, but I mean, I think it's interesting to to have those conversations and, and put them in the context of, you know, of all these other dynamics of, you know, cultural, social dynamics, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I was listening, there's a really good podcast called Financial Feminist. Um, it's by uh, somebody in the financial world called Tori Dunlap. She's amazing. And I love her. I love her energy. But she was talking about how, you know, you're right. Like it's the white man that created the rules. And it's the white man that wants to keep all this knowledge because that's how they keep us down. Right. They keep us down by not providing this information. And I've come across that in my own journey two times. Right. Where I was seeking you know, help to get my things in order. And it always costs money, of course. Mm-hmm. And I get investing in yourself. But when you are living on one income like we are, or if you are somebody who doesn't make as much money, I'm sorry, I don't have $6,000, $7,000 laying around um, to be able to do that. And that was like my biggest thing was just coming up on these walls, like of people just gatekeeping this information that you want and that you need of bettering yourself because you don't have the money to put out at once, right? And that you have to make those choices. So I took it upon myself to do it on my own <laughs> and just figure it out on my own. And um, I did invest in a investment course and it was almost $500. I had to ask my friend for help. So me and my friend went in halfsies. And so I was like, you pay half, I pay half. And then we both get to watch it. And then he was like, all right, I'm in. So we bought it, you know, and this, and so I'm telling you, like, I was like, I knew it was something I wanted. And then I made it fit within my budget. And I, you know, at least this way, my friend and I would both have access to this education. And Mike, thank goodness I did that because it totally flipped the script for me, right? Like that changed everything for me, the trajectory of what I was doing and my understanding. 
So, you know, that was only the start. And that's so, it was so important for me, even now in my business to always make sure that those barriers are not there for people that want to work with me. Um, you know, we always try to be very conscious of our audience um, because I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be probably working with people who are millionaires, <laughs> right? Um, so, and I'm okay with that because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make sure that it was like people like me, right? People who are in my circles, in my atmosphere, and that's who I teach. And that's how it started, right? Like my very first group without me knowing it was literally me inviting seven of my friends to my house to drink wine and make budgets. <laughs> you know, this was pre-COVID, pre-COVID. <laughs> February 2020, I remember so clearly. And I had my friends come over. I printed out budget sheets for them and, and like I laid it all out. We were drinking and then we just I told them like, yeah, like well, I you know, we were just like having fun and I I told them how to do their budget. I taught them how it works. I made them write out their expenses and we sat there and worked on everybody's budget. Literally people were sitting in my living room with computers, you know, looking at their credit cards. And and so that's how it started. And it was so crazy how just everything has just, <laughs> you know, I, went so later. I mean, I think it's comparable to like bitch and bitches or budget and brunch, <laughs> but it's like budget and bitch and wine. I don't, I don't yeah. know. There's something in the tagline there and that's beautiful. I love that. That's yeah. revolutionary. I mean, I think it is revolutionary, right? People don't want you to do that. You know, Amazon, you know, like the people who are making money off of you not knowing your monies mm -hmm. and knowing what you're spending it on and knowing what you're investing in. They don't want you to do that. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. I think that, you know, when we talk about how white men made the rules of money and then, and then are, have convinced us that... You know, and I don't like to use the word poor for myself, but let's say I'm not rich, mm -hmm. not because of the system, but because it's my fault. Right. And so mm -hmm. I think it's like when we kind of so it's like, oh, you don't need to worry about budgeting because, you know, you're just poor. Or, right. Like let the mm -hmm. rich people be the rich people because that's who they are. And, you know, somehow like there's this weird I don't know, but I, I feel like there's this the paycheck and we are this whole other thing you know like we can invest right. it's that rich dad poor dad book actually um i don't know if you've ever this like in college everyone was reading this rich dad poor dad and i was like this sounds this sounds actually like not okay to talk like that you know like how can we like frame this differently but the framework is really real it's like so binary it's right they don't want them that's where middle class is poor now poor right and then upper class is is so much like you, we do, we have a different relationship with money is how they would frame it. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, we don't, yeah. we, you, you can't tell us that, you know? Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's so interesting because like you said, you had to essentially pay to take a course mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and, um, to find this information when one, this is the shit we should be learning in high school, right? Like these are the kinds of classes that we, and so then we have to ask ourselves, why are we not taking those classes in high school, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and um, and I think it comes back to something I was sharing with you earlier about, you know, Christine and I, when we started Las Doctoras, I'm like back in 2018, and we were just this so podcast. <laughs> we were just this podcast and you know, kept running into limitations around money, around marketing, basically anything having to do with business. And we kept saying, like, we're not business majors. 
you know, we don't know this stuff. And then again, when we would try to um, reach out, you know, there was there was a lot of there was things that were like, I think at the time we felt they were out of our reach financially. And so there was a lot of stuff coming up for us around that. And so it was kind of like we were we were kind of stuck in like what the fuck do we do we do you know and last year similarly sent us into like a real like we gotta we gotta really handle this because we were seeing more money coming in but we want it to be smart with it we want it it to be and also knowing like we want it to build some longevity we want it to build some sustainability knowing the potential of of what we had and so again we had to invest in a course coming through either right for us potentially because of the pandemic there was like a a sense of oh this backup this this job that's our day job isn't trustworthy you know because it could go away at any moment we really do need to diversify we really do need to not be so dependent upon this system you know yeah. um yeah we found help renee found some amazing help <laughs> So that's what we had to do too was it was and it was hard it was really you know it was a lot of money for us um but i think we you know we both kind of saw the long-term potential of it um and investing in a course and and seeing the the return on investment like mm -hmm. tenfold right like <laughs> just really seeing that um but again coming back to how do we all not have basic line access to this information yeah. Yeah. You know, when you're going out into the world and you don't understand what getting all these student loans means, you don't understand, you know, what getting credit card means. Like, I remember when I was 18 and like my friend worked at Home Depot, we worked, we both worked there and she was opening credit cards for people. She's like, hey, open one just so I can get the number, like the count. And so I did. And I didn't, I had no idea what any of it meant. Right. Like I had never had a credit card. Nobody had ever explained to me what a credit card was or the difference between that and my checking account card, right? Nobody ever told me any of that. And so I had to learn the hard way <laughs> after like now I'm like digging myself out of credit card debt. But you know, there's just, you go out into the world, right? And you're told, you know, go to college, fine. I went to college, you know, you're told get a job, fine, I got a job. Nobody teaches you anything. I mean, if you're lucky, your parents teach you, right? Like. Um, for example, Tori, she talks about in her podcast about how her parents really taught her about money at a very young age. Um, I did not have that kind of parent. So I was not taught at all how to manage money, um, you know, how to save. I didn't know anything about an emergency fund. So everything literally was like things that are so basic of money management, zero, right? Like I was working full time at 18 years old. What I do with that money, I could not tell you. <laughs> um, you know, so, I mean, like you, like if we were talking about before, like we were talking, you know, like we would use it to go out, right? And my budget was like, this is how much I made. Here, my bills are paid. Okay, this is what's left in my checking account. Swipe, 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 swipe till I have $20 left. Okay, I can't spend no more, right? Mm -hmm. And I actually just saw a meme about like, oh yeah, you know, right before payday, you're broke. And I'm like, but why? You shouldn't. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be broke right before payday. Like you should be fine. You know, like you shouldn't be waiting for that paycheck to hit. You know, you should be you if you're living paycheck to paycheck, then we got to get you on check and we got to get your budget and we have to get you a checking account cushion and we have to set you up so that you're not waiting for the paycheck to drop. Right. Like 
it's just and look, I, I, I feel like that is that's the gem right there right <laughs> like if we're living paycheck to paycheck and the way you even say it, like we need to set you up right like yeah. it's an yeah. invitation to say it doesn't have to be that way exactly yeah and that's the thing none of us know some i mean some of us didn't know that there is another way yeah right like that's the thing like i didn't know what a budget was <laughs> I didn't know. I really didn't, right? Like, isn't it crazy? Like, I really didn't had no idea what this structure was. And so I didn't know that there was another way to do this where I wasn't waiting for payday every month. <laughs> you know? I think this is a conversation about goals, you know, too. And actually, as you're talking, it strikes me as that when I was 15 and I was working and then um, I would, I would be the person that balanced my checkbook. Like I'm that, I'm that 15 year old balancing my checkbook from the job. But, and actually when I lived in Hong Kong for a while, they, you can put this, your passport book into the money and it will balance their checkbook for you actually, which is cool. That's so cool. Um, that is so that awesome. Long time ago, but so my goal, and this was came down to my parents was to save. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't look any more than what I was saving and it wasn't to spend on anything it was just to save and so actually Renee and a lot of other comadres have to remind me like you are like it's not just to save you know just having money in the bank isn't the end goal the end goal is to use it for life for the things I want for things I choose you know mm -hmm. and so um I this conversation about goals is like the goal could be you, you make money, you budget to go out and do whatever the hell you want, right? Or you make money, you budget so that you can save it and just, like, kind of hold on to it, you know? Um, but really, the in the end, it's, it's a sort of a balance, right? You want to be able both to save and to enjoy. Um, and I think, I think that's really important, you know? Yeah, we weren't put here to work, you know, and, until we die, right? Like... If we weren't, we're not going to just like work until we're 65 and 70. Like, that's not why we're here, you know? And so I'm all about make putting in the budget what makes you happy, right? I have yeah. a client who puts in like quite a bit of money for Starbucks and that's fine because you buy Starbucks every single day. That's cool. You know, like no problems there because that makes you happy and it's in your budget. You're good, right? Um, I really like to travel. And so I've already decided that as soon as my debt is paid, all my extra income, guess where's going? To travel. And we're going to be traveling. And I'm going to spend my money, right? Because that's why it's there. Now, I'm still not changing anything else. I'm not going to, I'm never going to stop investing, <laughs> right? Um, and I'm, my emergency fund is good. So, you know, the rest is really for you to utilize. And, and I think there is, like, a lot of people have that fear of losing it like um and those like triggers of scarcity and like you know maybe you grew up and you were taught to hoard that money and that's a really difficult thing because it's a lot of fear that comes when you think about spending it like what if i lose it all and, and that also affects people when it comes to investing right people mm -hmm. are so scared of investing because they're so scared of losing money um and i totally understand that there's so much um like a you know, huge range of people's money mindsets. 
it's all over the place and you have to like kind of meet yourself where you are and we all have money triggers and we all have like emotional ties to our money that absolutely you know can be traced back to the way you were raised we actually did um two money therapy in quotes because we're not real therapists right <laughs> um money therapy circles and it was really deep like right away just thinking about what's your first money memory right like if you think what was the first time that you remember anything about money <laughs> you this coin person go buy to like to what would mall to go buy like a uh, something at the mall and stopped at the pet store and i was looking in the gardener's things and i lost this this you know this purse the little purse full of like random change in it and it was devastating. That's my that's one of my first memories of money, isn't it? Like that's big. Like you lost here. you lost all that all that money essentially. Dollars of change. What the hell? Like why can't you just be like, you know, hear me like what? <laughs> that's one of my first money memories. Yeah, you know, thinking about your first money memory, what what does that make you feel? Like what are your emotions that are tied to that? We did like, you know, two hours. We had to do two hours of just sharing all of our different perspectives and everybody has a very different experience with it and understanding that working through your triggers and like really seeing like, okay, knowing that this is my trigger, how am I going to, you know, um, confront that when it comes to my budget and then starting to build the questions in your mind, right? Like really what I tell people, it's like, okay, wants and needs. And you mentioned this in the beginning, right? Understanding the difference between what do I really need and what do I just want? And if you want something that that's okay too, as long as it's in your budget and it doesn't make you go into debt or you know throw you completely off, then you're okay, right? Like I'm already over budget this month because I actually had like some crazy anxieties. And so I my trigger for spending is when I'm anxious, right? Like so when I'm anxious and like, my instant is like, oh my gosh, like I just wanna, I wanna make things easy. I don't wanna cook, so I'm gonna buy more, buy food already prepared, right? Or I'm feeling emotional, so I wanna eat fast food. That's my trigger. And so I work through that by making sure that I leave a cushion in my account so that if that happens, then I can address it, right? Like, cause it, there always comes a point where you're just like, you know what, F it, like I'm gonna go for it, but it doesn't throw me off. At the end of the day, right? I'm. I still saved this month already over $1,700 and I still, you know, paid off my debt on time. Everything is fine. All I did was spend like 20 more bucks. So there's no, no harm, no foul. As long as your goals are being met and you're still, you know, in line, it's not like you're going to blow $300, $400, which if we are, then we got to talk about something else. But, <laughs> you know, as long as it's like, don't, beat yourself up over it, right? And and just stay, and it's a lot. It's a lot of emotions tied with money, very different emotions for every single person, right? Um, and that's things that we help work through. And actually that workshop was really popular. Um, I did it with my friend who's a mindset coach. And so we did it together and, you know, we have a whole workbook that we did and helping people through that. It was actually a lot of fun. People were like, asking for a part two because I think people really like to see where it's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. I like this conversation on needs and wants. And I want yes. to dive in and complicate it a little bit. Because we were talking too about if we buy, you know, local and from other like Latinas or other women of color, mm -hmm. it's just going to cost, you know, we need to budget more, basically, you know, like, um, and, and I think it brings up a conversation 
and needs and wants in that moment. Um, it's like, if I was really working on needs, I would buy the cheapest thing possible, you know, like, like my mom, like, or my people, my family. I'm like, I don't want to talk about my mom, but only shop in the clearance, you know, like you just go to the, you know, when me, what I need is, you know, a, a shirt for work, you know, or something like that. I don't know, blah, blah, blah. But mm -hmm. I only go to the clearance out. But if I actually wanted to save time and energy and actually meet my needs, I would just go to any aisle in the Marshalls. It doesn't matter if it's in the clearance, right? And get the shirt that I need, right? Mm -hmm. um, and to me, this is kind of like a conversation of needs means sometimes in my upbringing, um, I don't know, like the the, the minimum, the minimal, you know, and this kind of brings up that conversation about minimalism and whiteness and classism and stuff, you know, and then wants is the extra. It's shopping and the clearance. It's, it's buying from local and from women of color, you know, and actually total lie. Like that's not at all in my value system. Right. Like if I actually were to meet my needs and to meet the needs of not just me, but my community, I need to budget just a little bit more, um, so I can give back, you know, um, again, the default is that the, the needs of the community will meet each other and it will all be free. You know, no one will make any money off of that. And that's another kind of, I mean, we work in a, we live in a classist society and a capitalist, we need money for rent, you need money for your, you know, basic needs. So, um, I want to talk, yeah, needs, yeah. wants, what do you think, you know, like how does that play into your budget? And actually what's yeah. your emergency too? I want to know what your budget is. So you mean my emergency fund or like my emergency budget in case I go over budget? What is it? How much does one need for an emergency fund? Okay. I'm going to be right back, y'all. You keep yeah. talking. Okay. So for an emergency fund, it really varies depending on your situation, but it could be anywhere between three months, six months, nine months to a year. Now, if you have a job that is, you know, maybe not hundred percent guaranteed if you have um only one income household right then you want to always go for the higher end right so you want to go six months and more because the more uncertainty there is in your income the mm -hmm. uh you know the higher the, the likelihood that you're going to actually need to tap into this right so an emergency fund covers somebody can't work somehow you don't have income coming in your car breaks down and it takes you know three thousand dollars to fix it you know, those are the kinds of things that come up, right? Or if somebody, and if somebody has illness, chronic illness or, you know, things like that, they always should go with the higher end of like nine to 12 months, right? Because you need to prepare for those emergencies. Actually, the statistics show that many Americans can't even cover a $3,600 emergency, right? Like what happened today if you had to cover, like somebody hit you and wrecked your car and they just left and it was going to, you have to pay your deductible. Let's say your deductible your deductible is a thousand dollars right so yeah. mm -hmm. things like that that's why you need an emergency fund i love it it's so circumstantial it's just so relational it's like dependent mm -hmm. upon the that totally makes sense mm -hmm. i need to work on yeah so you're in the you know your job is secure you have a two-income household you're healthy then you can fly for three months right or six months so yeah always work your way up um, I'm working on a three month emergency fund, but I want to go for six because I am a one income household. So I need more security in that sense. So it's a mm -hmm. definitely like a range depending on your situation. And that's the thing about personal finance is very personal. Okay. And then there's no like, great answer. Like, monthly to what is it that you need monthly to like, you know, thrive, you know, and then you 
then you then you say three times that, you know, basically. Yeah. And, actually, and that's where your needs versus wants conversation comes in. Because yeah. guess what? When you're talking about an emergency fund, you're not going to pay for the gym. <laughs> you're not going to pay for your nails. You're not going to pay for that stuff um, because that's not a need. An emergency fund is for a true need. So usually you want to like make a list of your expenses. Look at what is a true need, housing, food, gas, transportation, you know, healthcare, that kind of stuff. And then you, you add that up and multiply that. Right. But yeah. you can't, I mean, this is the thing you can't always put in your wants too. I mean, there's nothing going to hurt about having more money in there just in case. Right. But just as a as a goal orientation, like, you know, start out with only your needs um, yeah. expenses per month at three months, then work your way up as you go along. Right. And so and the other thing is also there is such a thing as having too much in savings. Right. Don't just put it all into savings because what happens is if you have it in a basic savings account, you're actually losing money because of inflation. Right. And so you that they're like, your money is losing, you're losing money. Yes. You need to put it in gold or property. No. Or kind of you need to put it in a high yield savings account. That's where you need to put it. OK, so you don't put your money in a checking account. You don't put your money in a basic savings account. You put your emergency fund in a um, high yield savings account that's going to earn you money. Okay. Hold on. Yes. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because I was just saying that your money actually. I yield savings account. Yes. <laughs> We're, you know, with your money sitting in a basic account, it's losing value because of inflation. And then, I mean, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news, but they've been talking a lot about inflation lately, right? A lot of different factors are going, yeah, a lot of different factors because of the government flushing the economy with money and you know the prices for things are going up and so inflation is definitely in the process of happening right now and so that every day that your money sits in a checking account that doesn't earn you anything every day your money sits in a savings account that has very high yield i mean low yields then you're literally losing money right and so that's why summer saver account like a, a teacher I, I did like schools first and it has a summer saver account and i think that's considered a high yield i think it's like three percent interest or something like that i don't i actually don't know oh. actually <laughs> well usually so before covid they were at one to two percent high yield savings and the best one before i believe was um american express they had the highest one right now things are low because interest rates are low in general in the economy and so right now, like, you'll be lucky if you find 1%. <laughs> I, I don't know any that have 1%, but um, there are some that at least you can earn something. So, for example, my mom just opened one with, um, I forget what bank it was, but she put in over $60,000, and within three months, she had, like, 30 bucks that they paid her in interest. So they're paying her, right, instead mm -hmm. of you paying anything. And that's the important thing is at least your money is working a little bit for you while it's sitting there. But, of course... You know, that is nowhere near anything that you can um, earn in the stock market. But you always need to have liquid savings in case of emergencies ready to tap into, um, you know, in case that anything happens, like if you, especially if you own a home. Right. Yeah, emergencies happen all the time in your home. So you need that money. Did you have a is high the same as dividend rate? Dividend no. rate? Is that? No. So <laughs> dividends are things that are paid to you in investing. So when you're investing, there's such things as, you know, um, when your certain stocks pay you when they make a lot of money. And so then you can reinvest them. 
Yeah, but that's a. I have 2.50 for my summer saver, I think. 2.50. That's pretty oh, good, that's, right? That's amazing. Yeah. I know. But they, they take, a, they can only take a maximum of 2,000 out per month. And so then at the end of the year, it basically um, fronts you for July for teachers who are off, you know? So it's like they're, so it's not always, I can't always put that much money in it, mm-hmm. you know, it, through the year. But that's pretty yeah. good. I think that's good. Um, did we, two things I want to make sure that we get to is like, besides emergency funds and tile and savings and all that other like long-term investments. And if you want to briefly talk about Bitcoin or, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I say that, I say that, I, I mean, and we could be really quick. I say that because I've seen a lot of people recently like get really excited about that. And so it's like their entrance into investing. And I'm like, but it's not long term and it's super volatile. And, you know, so maybe just as a cautionary. Yes. What do you have to say? (laughs) So you're going to get me heated. I'm trying to like, okay. This is what I have to say about that. If you're meeting your goals, if you have an emergency fund, if you're um, contributing to your retirement account at a good rate to grow your money in a tax advantage account like a retirement account, and you're doing all the things and you still have play money, right? You still have fun money. And then you want to invest in Bitcoin or things like that, fine, right? This is like but, Vegas money, I see, yes. <laughs> exactly. It's like gambling money. That's the problem. Like that is exactly what it is. When you're investing in individual stocks, especially when you're investing in these currencies that really people can make up and have no regulation, um, you're you're literally gambling, right? It's literally gambling. Uh, Even if it's like just individual stocks, you're still gambling, right? Anytime that you are putting money into just a single stock, that is so that can be so volatile and changes from day to day, you are putting all your eggs in one basket and risking losing it all. Right? That's that's just what it comes down to. And that's why I suggest that if you're taking care of all the other things and you still have extra money and you want to invest in these things, fine. But do not ever invest anything that you're not ready to lose. Mm-hmm. And and by investing in that way, I mean investing in individual stocks or these cryptocurrencies, right? In a retirement account where you're investing in target date funds, in index funds, your money is way, way safer because you are investing in different parts, different stocks, different bonds, a variety of things across the market. Your money's safer, right? I always say, what is the likelihood that all five top 500 companies of the United States, for example, in the S&P 500, are all going to collapse at one time? highly, highly unlikely, right? That every single one of them is gonna just drop. The likelihood of one single company dropping drastically and all your money is in there, that's a huge risk, right? And so I never ever, I personally do not invest in individual stocks at all. Um, And, you know, I don't know if I ever wanna go there because I'm more of a long-term thinker and I wanna see my money grow in with a diverse, you know, portfolio and I want to have variety and all the things. So, you know, just know the high, high risk that you're taking when you are investing in things like cryptocurrencies that are not regulated, that are not, you know, really a 
a thing that's recognized by the government yet, if, if that ever happens, right? So it's very, very risky. And that's the thing. Also, not just with these currencies, but anything that you hear hype about. Look at what happened with GameStop, right? You guys heard about GameStop? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, with GameStop, it was all hype. You know, people were hyping it, hyping it up. Fine. And yes, some people did make money, but guess what? Anybody who put in money and then sold it under a year is going to pay super high capital gains taxes. Uh, if you buy something and you sell it under a year, I have a clue. Yeah. For investment. Same so, for like marketing investments or whatever the stock investments, you pay capital gains if you sell also within a year? If you sell within a year in a brokerage account or in like, in, you know, in individual stocks, then yes, you will pay capital gains taxes, which are really, really high, especially if you sell under a year, because that's going to be considered short term investing and they don't want you to do that. So they, they will tax you really high. So maybe you got $200,000, but guess what? Those taxes are going to come for you real, real quick. If you sell and buy within your retirement accounts, there is no taxes because you're just moved. You know, actually, there's some that only allow you to do it two times in a year, right? It's yeah. limited, you know, even within that. So there's a lot so, more flexibility in the retirement types. Yeah. Sorry, you keep it's like cutting. Oh, sorry. It's probably it's like when you sell a house and if you reinvest the money, you can you can kind of dodge the capital gains tax, right? Kind of stuff like that. Well, I don't know I, about housing. <laughs> because I haven't I haven't dealt with the house yet but you know yeah. if you're doing it within a retirement account because these are essentially um, tax protected while they're um, in their um, period before you retire then you mm -hmm. are able to buy and sell a little bit more freely than in a brokerage account in a brokerage account girl right there anytime somebody tells me brokerage the first thing I think of oh Texas Texas mm -hmm. because that's going to get you. And let me tell you, the more that I have learned about investing, the more I realize that really what people, rich, rich, rich people that do this all the time, that's what they're worried about is the taxes, because that's what happens when you're in these types of accounts. So, for example, um, putting money into a 529. So a 529 is a, uh, a mechanism where you can invest money for a child's college education. Right. I invest my money in there and I it's um, post tax. So when it, money grows, you know, and I use it for an education expense later on, then I will pay no taxes at all. That's amazing. Right. It's so similar to a Roth IRA. You pay taxes now. You let it grow. All that growth. You take it out. You don't pay taxes. So in a brokerage, though. Right. You will end up paying taxes. And if the shorter that you hold that, and you, like, and like I said, under a year, you're going to pay even more taxes. So that's always the cautionary tale of just like, be very careful with that. Renee, yeah. I feel yeah. like I'm just so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> I no, I, you know, I haven't been feeling 100%. I know. So I'm like, you know, I'm still trying to come back. But um, so what are the main things i, I want to make sure that we touch like what are the main 529 you named that's a i think that's like a staple if you have kids i so i have one for each of my kids and i've actually um because my kids go to a private school and there was a time where i got behind on tuition so i was able to kind of pull out with like and i literally i didn't even have to explain i just went in there made a transfer 
and that was it. And I was able to to pay the tuition. Um, so five twenty nine. And what's the other or what's the other like main things we should be investing in? <laughs> well, I mean, always, always start when it comes to investing, start with your retirement accounts available through your employer. If you have an employer, if you don't have an employer and you're self-employed, then you can open up either a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA or there's other types so there's a solo 401k there's different kinds of iras specifically for self-employed people so just because you're self-employed does not mean that you cannot have a retirement account and if you have a um, retirement account through your employer and let's say you're maxing it out uh, or something like or you're like putting in at least until the match that they give you if your employer gives you a match you can still have another one outside of that so you can have uh. 401k at work and you can have a traditional or a roth ira outside because in those outside ones you manage the investments right in the employer sponsored one you are basically subject to whatever types of investments they choose so in my personal one i mostly have target date funds which for me is fine i love them but some people might not like that. They want to um, create their own portfolio or they want to have more flexibility. So then you can actually create your own in brokerages like uh, Charles Schwab, um, Fidelity, Vanguard, those kinds of very low fee um, institutions. Then you can actually start your own. So always, always when it comes to investing, start with your retirement account. That's step one, mm -hmm. right? If you're maxing out your retirement account, you're maxing out your Roth IRA, then you can get into a brokerage, right? And the, the brokerages have more flexibility, of course, because they don't have that restriction of like, you don't, you can't touch your money till you're 59 or 60. Mm. So that's one benefit to it, definitely. You can put the money in and you can take it out. But again, be weary of taxes. It's like my biggest thing. Like my alarms go off when I hear brokerage. So can you give us a sense when you say taxes and you say like these high, like capital gain, like, can you give us a percentage? Like, what do you mean? Like, how much taxes? Okay, I have to look up the exact amounts because I have I don't have them memorized, and it and it depends again, like I said, on the um, amount of time that you had it. So uh, I can look that up real quick. But basically, when you, from what I remember, actually, right now is when you take it out. Um, I love she's crunching numbers like it's so <laughs> <laughs> because these are like very specific right like this is not i actually was like trying to like i think it's i think it's important to when people say oh taxes i mean we all pay taxes but i think when you hear the numbers of like so this is what it says the u.s capital gains tax only applies to profits from the sale of assets held for more than one year referred to as long-term capital gains okay the rates are zero, 15 or 20% depending on your tax bracket. Okay. Short term capital gains taxes applies to assets held for a year or less, and they are taxed at ordinary income. And so a lot of oh. it, you know what I mean? So then when you're, you're talking about ordinary income, girl, that's going to be, that's going to be a lot more. Um, and it also very dependent on your tax bracket. Um, I actually was just trying to, and one thing I just, you know, I've been, taxes are hard, okay? I'm not a tax ex expert anywhere near that. Um, so one thing I shout learned out, recently. Shout out to Natalie Gomez. I just want to. Yes, our <laughs> <is awesome. laughs> But I just learned, and I didn't know this before, when it, when they tax you, 
they don't tax you on all of your money, right? So what they do is they tax you up to like one part, and I forget the because it, it varies depending on the the steps. They tax you one part, and then after that they tax the ten, but they don't tax you on all of your money. There's actually like is that way on the on the W two because I, I get like sometimes three or two or three W-2s because I work at different campuses yeah. and it'll have like two different amounts like for the year. It'll say like taxable income and then like total or something like that. Yeah. So I didn't know that. And I wish I had the um, I, I just took a workshop yesterday where I learned this actually. And it's a, there's a really good diagram that shows you like based on how much you get paid, how much they tax, which starts down here, then this big chunk is left alone. But then after every amount after that. So I think after one is like after 40,187, then they tax the rest of it. Oh. Yeah. It's really interesting. And taxes are so complicated. This is like a whole other thing that I'm barely starting to understand, honestly. But I do know enough to know that you have to be very careful when you're buying and selling investments in regular brokers because you are going to have to pay these capital gains taxes so okay so we have 529 or retirement account first and foremost yeah. mm -hmm. so i have a, i have a 403b because it, it's a, the equivalent right of a 401k through our our educational institution mm -hmm. um so retirement account and then brokerage is that like an option or you would say it's something that we so should do you it's really optional honestly because okay. it's like what do you need it for what is mm. your goal here so i had somebody reach out to me recently and she's like hey you know like i want to start investing like outside and i was like okay but we need to talk about what is your goal right mm. is your goal to have more money for retirement then we would have to go traditional or Roth IRA. is your goal to just have like your money grow even more and like have the accessibility to like tap into it in like seven to 10 years. Because also if you're going to invest, you have to think long term. Don't even think about touching that money for like at least seven to 10 years. Mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Don't even think about it. Like that's not money that's going to be because again, if you take it out, you're going to pay taxes. Right, right. So that's the thing. So it, it depends on your goal. Like what is your goal here? Like what do you want to achieve with doing this? And then you can kind of see which route works best. Understanding the limitations, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I so love that. Always, always start with first step one is invest in your employer sponsored plan and then really understand what the plan entails, what you're invested in. So fees are huge when it comes to investing and if you're in a target date fund that has a huge like a high fee then you're actually losing money um and that's a huge and i gotta i gotta go back and look at my <laughs> look yeah. at my paperwork because i'm like i i started in 2013 and i think i opened it then but i'm just so used to them taking money out of my paycheck that i don't i honestly i mean i will look at it to see what i have in there but i don't know all the also, I'm going to send both of you. Um, do you have a 403B too? Yeah, um, I have it as Hills as well. Um, and it I'm going to send you guys a podcast. Before they tax us too, right? Is that yeah. 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 So it, it um, reduces your income. So I'm going to send you both a um, podcast and a website um, that's all about 403Bs because uh -huh. I actually learned that you have to be very careful with what you're invested in in a 403B because um, they're very predatory on teachers when it comes to insurance products. 
and they actually insurance products have um, very high fees. And so they can really chew away at your gains. And so I, I'll send you that. It was really informational for me. Okay. I personally don't have that, but I, I have a, a client that's a teacher. And so that was one big thing to learn is like understanding what exactly you're invested in uh -huh. so that um, you make sure that you're not paying these really crazy fees. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Okay. Any other like, general things people should be investing in like main things well you know there's always other things to do like investing in properties right mm -hmm. um always investment property <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i just I, I i really have to say this so i just bought a house mm -hmm. technically still not moved in yet because we're fixing it up so i'm in my mom's house um but i have to say like I learned so much in the process of buying the house because they looked at every single last inch of my money. <laughs> I mean, I was like, do you want my DNA? Like what else could you possibly want yeah. from me? Um, but the biggest thing I learned was, I think what you've kind of been saying is it was possible mm -hmm. because a year ago, a year ago, I thought there is no fucking way. I was like, there's no way we're going to buy a house. I mean, for years I was saying, um, you know, there's no way we're going to, we're going to get a house. It wasn't until, well, one is we didn't have to pay our student loans for a year. I just <laughs> so, so I was talked about that, you know, yeah. I was mm -hmm. able to pay off debt. That's exactly instead of paying my student loan that I took that same money and paid off all of my debt. Um, and so then, um, so it became possible, but I, again, like I wouldn't even have thought about it. And I luckily had a very good like financial um, person, right? Um, I don't know what they call them, right? But <laughs> the people, the loan officer or whatever, um, just really kind of, and she was like, well, how much can you afford monthly? And, you know, and like working backwards that way and, you know, just very honest. And yeah, it was, it was an interesting process, but again, just feeling like it was possible in, in a way that I never had thought was going to be now. I mean, I'm not going to lie. We did have help. Like, I'm not going to pretend like I pulled my back bootstraps, right? Like we had help from family to for our, our down payment mm -hmm. which first of all i don't even know why we have shame about that because white people do that shit all the time it's called generational wealth right like they fucking buy their kids straight up homes and multiple homes and shit so the fact mm -hmm. that my mom and his parents gave us money for a down payment is not yeah. anything to be ashamed about um but yeah, but still the fact that like, and and, I, and my husband definitely, like we were, because we had to pay off so much debt in order to to qualify and all that. And we we hustled our ass. We were like, got to pay off all this shit. And um, and we were able to to get it done. But I just have to name that. That is very exciting. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. That's huge. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So definitely property is another type of investment um, and not just your personal home where you live, but like um, investing in other properties that you can. People are really doing the Airbnb thing. Mm -hmm. and but I always want to caution, like, first, get your things straight at home. 
yeah. before you start to go out of these things, you know, and really get your stuff straight. Make sure you have everything in mind. And if it's this extra money, then fine, you know, go for it. Also, with the, you know, kind of reality check of the fact that like ho- owning a home is not cheap because there's always emergencies that happen and you can't just call somebody to to come and take care of it. Like, mm-hmm. it's awesome. you are the somebody. And that's <laughs> yeah. I think that's one thing that I always caution people about is like, yeah, wait, you want to buy a home? Amazing. Let's do this. But it's not just about saving for the down payment. It's yeah. not about buying the house. It's about, you know, the closing costs. It's about mm-hmm. an emergency um, fund for your house. It's about if you need to do repairs and things like this is yeah. not cheap. This is this is a lot of money that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm so glad that you said that because it's that was one thing. Honestly, I was actually going to be OK with renting because I was like, fuck, I don't have to do shit like something breaks. I just call the landlady. Right. And now now I'm like, oh, fuck, like you are the do <laughs> but like you said, all that mm-hmm. means is my budget has to adjust itself. Mm-hmm. Right. My budget just has to adjust itself, which that's exactly the even before I um, I even brought the idea of buying a house. I was like, does it can it can I readjust my budget to make um, a mortgage payment fit? And so once I was able to do that math, I actually this is how I had to get my husband on board <laughs> was like saying I can I can afford this much, you know, towards the yeah. hold on, hold on. She's no, she's there. I made it. I made it on my um. My <laughs> it took that long to download all the Google stuff. Anyways, I'm here. I've been listening. I'm here. We're good. So we do. I mean, you know, we don't necessarily have a time limit, but we honor want to honor everybody's time before we want. We want because we, we can go on and on and on. Yes. But- oh my god. <laughs> So much. I mean, there's so many. I actually just did a podcast this week and it was literally two episodes because it was so just go off. So before the two things I want to I want to ask is, well, first of all, the one thing is that you are our new columnist Mm -hmm. (laughs) for St. Lunita, our financial columnist, um, which I want to say, I think, just so people know, because I think it's interesting when people um, we're in submissions right now for our newest edition in the summer, and I don't know if we've gotten it. I think we still have just one, but I think there's a lot of fear sometimes. Call around. out, come, come, come through, everyone. Submit things. Even <laughs> our own friends. Like last time, I was trying to guilt trip people into like submit a piece, submit a piece, and I think there's a lot of like fear about yeah. like putting yourself out there. But I want to say for you, you actually came to us and said, hey, you need a financial columnist. And I was like, yes, yes. Hell yeah, yeah, we do. Mm -hmm. We are definitely people, I I hope that's that's the message I want people to hear is that we're not gatekeepers, right? Mm -hmm. We're not trying to like, when we take submissions, it's not like we're judging them for this like you know this expectations really we are here to serve our communities and oh sorry just like (laughs) easy as that right like you reached out to us and we were like uh yeah yes let's do it let's make it happen so our new financial columnist for saint lonita and before we go, you gotta tell people where they can find you, how they can contact you, all of that. 
Yeah, so you can find me at mom, obviously. <laughs> mom <laughs> underscore money underscore boss. Um, and I'm so excited to to be you know involved with both of you because honestly, I wanted to do it because I want to learn from you. <laughs> like I already got the money part down. Like I know the money stuff in and out, but now I want to understand the colonization impact, the patriarchal impact, like all these different. Oh, ah, we're so close. I was going to say, that's just something that's really important to me. Um, because, you know, so many things, right? Like, I just want to expand my mind. And I'm also very conscious of the fact that we're, we're not on, we're not on a level playing field, right? Mm -hmm. When we're making money. Um, and mm -hmm. there's definitely a lot of things that we have to work on it together to make sure that we're supporting each other and our communities. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm excited. Thank you. I'm excited too. Any, any final thoughts, comments? <laughs> Sorry. He was just like, there's just, we're, we're doing it. We're, we're making it work. You know, thank you for yeah. being here. Thank you for creating the time, you know, and, and thank you for the education. I think the last thing I want to say is, you know, I think I want to stop keeping secrets. I want to break the um, culture of secrecy around money and I want to make it more transparent. Um, mm -hmm because I think it's important. It's like, it's like the thing that should not be named, you know, it's like Voldemort if we don't uh, give it language, you know, and, um, and it's, and it's, yeah. So thank you so much for helping us, you know, give us, giving us language around high yield savings and you know, funds and um, all these Roth, Roth. And just, what so is you know, just so you know, Ally Bank is my favorite absolutely my favorite and if you're a crazy organized person like me um ally bank has buckets where you can like distribute to different kinds of savings and it has goals that you can set it's amazing i love it um just a side note but and it's also a high yield savings account um but yes absolutely no more secrets and this is one thing that i've i i'm i'm still in the process of working on my own internal things with all of this and like one mm -hmm. thing when we talk about the secrets is like i am still dealing with imposter syndrome mm. and like just taking ownership of, of what's going on and also like still feeling very vulnerable when I am very honest like I have literally posted my budget on my page and I'm like these are my numbers okay I brought home about $67,000 last year like that's my you know take home I'm like, you want to know how much I pay for rent? I pay $1,300 for rent. And I'm very open. I'm like, look, I rent from my father-in-law, okay? Like, let's be real. Like, I'm yeah. good. Like, let's just rip it off. Like, there's no shame in whatever you're doing, however you make it work, you know? Yeah. Like, that's where you're at. And so I'm, I want to give power to no matter what situation you're in, you know? Yeah. And just being honest with it, um, I really, I'm, I come, I hope that my page is a safe space for anybody to be able to share whatever situation they're in, because I'm not here to judge you at all yeah. and any decisions that you make. Uh, I'm just here to give you insight and perspective, right? Uh, I love it. I love it so much. All right. I'm gonna come back to this conversation. All right. 
Bye, Lamaya. Thank you so much. How about me? We'll be there. Bye. Right, bye.